I feel like they should make a drinking game out of our YouTube video today of every time I cringe, you have to take a drink because it's me holding back a joke about younger being better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wait yeah, probably for all the editing I'm going to have to do. Possibly cut some stuff out here. <laughs> Apologies in advance. <laughs> podcast about bourbon and the ones who drink it. This is Bourbon Matters. Welcome to Bourbon Matters. I'm Jake. I'm Dan. And I'm Jake from Gold Eagle. <laughs> and, uh, tonight, <laughs> as promised, uh, we are talking about age statements and how, in some cases, they're totally overrated. No. <laughs> overrated or just don't matter as much as a lot of people think i think that's the better description yeah, yeah. we'll go with that <laughs> and if, i think especially uh recently we've been seeing a lot of lower age stated or non-age stated whiskeys that um have actually one have been pretty expensive but also have pulled through and have tasted great as well mm-hmm yeah, so I think, you know, uh, a few episodes ago, we were talking about um, uh, what the hell was that episode? <laughs> anyway, we got wow, on the we're topic just starting of, off with a bang. The, the tater <laughs> yeah. bottles. We were talking in taters. And then uh, just when Dan was out two weeks ago, we were talking about uh, age statements a little bit and how. Um, a lot of people are. Oh, yeah, that's kind of how we got the idea to do this. Was yeah. yeah, a lot of people are like outright dismissing uh, bottles if they don't have an age statement or they perceive it as being too young. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so you know, we wanted to bring this up because it is kind of an important topic, um, and like I think age statements have their place. Um, but it doesn't necessarily guarantee you anything in terms of the, how good the whiskey tastes or uh, the quality of the whiskey. hundred percent. Yeah. And it's, it's funny cause I was talking to the, our master distiller today uh, about it a little bit and he started laughing because you know what? I'm going to say the name of the store because I'm going to talk shit about it. Kind of. <laughs> he was at a Benny's and somebody there in the aisles that was a customer said that they won't drink a bourbon if it's four years or younger. And that's the clientele they get at Benny's, apparently, is people just <laughs> shutting off a whole section of the liquor store because they don't think it's old enough. We wouldn't I mean, have that at Gold Eagle. Occasionally, we get it, too. Um, four years is pretty extreme, though. Yeah. But, um, I mean, we get, it, we get it all the time, too. Um, you get someone that comes through the aisle and... They just, they need to know the age. They want to know the age and they just have a number in their head and automatically assume if it's younger than that number, they don't want any part of it. And I think a lot of that kind of originates with scotch mm -hmm. because with scotch, um, you know, age statements were kind of a, a, the only thing to measure the quality of a scotch, um, especially before all this technology with using different types of oak, different types of barrels, um, different finishing techniques to kind of speed up the aging process a little bit. 
um, even like different temperature controlled situations. Um, like I think Old Forester is a great example for this podcast because they all their whiskey is about four to six years old. And I think if you put up their standard four to six year stuff against their prized possession birthday bourbon, um, you can find a lot a lot of better flavors, um, not necessarily saying they're 100% better than like birthday bourbon, but their standard core lineup has a lot of qualities that birthday bourbon lacks. Um, so I think there's a lot of examples why younger whiskey, particularly with American whiskey, um, is better. Um, and I think scotch just traditionally has kind of put out, uh, you know, better, uh, more expensive whiskeys with older age statements. Um, you know, and just most people just kind of associate, you know, older age means better. Um, and I think a lot of that started with the scotch category yeah, and like a lot of the reason why scotches tend to be so old is because of the climate in scotland right um, which is very like flat in terms of temperature fluctuation year round so you're not getting much wood interaction in the barrel and uh to really extract those like oak notes out of the bourbon or uh get like the sherry you know if they're using a sherry finish um it's got to sit in those barrels for a long time um wherein you know most of the united states especially like kentucky or you know some of the other like southern or western states that are distilling a lot you know you you get way faster aging um or like perceived aging i guess uh because you're talking about massive temperature fluctuations either throughout the year or even day to day. Um, I was at um, Delbach in Tucson and they said every day they have like a 40 degree temperature swing. So their single malt ages in like 18 to 24 months <laughs> because otherwise it's just like undrinkable. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just oaky. gets way too oaky and they actually start losing so much whiskey to the angel share that it's like not worth it to age it longer than two years. Um, and so like it, yeah. it, it's heavily dependent on climate and absolutely. Um, I mean, even old elk, I think is you know, at a higher elevation and they see crazy differences between uh, like when they, uh, were importing stuff from MGP. Like, I think, uh, I can't remember exactly what, but they said they lost like huge percentages of barrels that they brought from Indiana, like way quicker than they would have in Indiana, just because of the elevation and the, the climate in Northern Colorado. Yeah. I was going to say, even in like the Northern part of the U S it gets a lot hotter than the hottest months in Scotland. So, mm -hmm. um, over there, it's just pretty one dimensional, the whole entire life of the whiskey. So there's a lot less evaporation. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've noticed a lot lately, like there's a, there's a lot of characters and younger whiskeys that kind of pull through, usually get a lot of brighter fruits. Um, when, especially when it comes to blends, uh, and I've heard from a lot of blenders too, that younger whiskey, uh, really make or breaks the blend if you pick the right young whiskey to, you know, layer in there with the older oakier stuff. Mm -hmm. 
I think another thing that leads to people looking for older stuff too and putting a floor of four or six years in is I think a lot of people start understanding bottled and bond and they think that, okay, four years is the middle for bottled and bond and that has to be better than the same thing that's not four years, um, which back in the early 1900s, it was a very important thing because it meant it was drinkable whiskey and not shit where we don't have that anymore. So a hundred proof three year versus a hundred proof four year bottled and bond there's can be just as good at three years or, or less than a, than a four year. I think it's just people see that and they think that, that just because it's bottled and bond means it's going to be better than the original stuff because it might have a little bit of age, but it's, it's basically four years age and a hundred proof and a couple small things that, like the one distillation, one season, things like that, which doesn't necessarily make too big a difference one way or the other. You just know you're getting the same crop. So, yeah, that's a good. The bottled and bond is a good point. Um, I think that's kind of become like a universal standard for like you know, quality. Because um, I mean, that was the intent of the bottled and bond act, so it it right. makes sense. But you know, we're in uh, a time now where the uh there's not as much issues with people putting like foreign things into the whiskey and uh opening it up to you know those kinds of issues that you know were pretty prevalent in the late 1800s <laughs> well there's an fda now there wasn't an fda back then so that's that's why i had to have the bottle and bond act but fda regulates all this stuff anyways so right Jake, do you think people, when they go to the store, are looking for a specific flavor profile when they want stuff that's not below a certain age limit? Or what do you think that they're looking for? Uh, I mean, I, I think ultimately people are looking for a flavor profile, right? Like a flavor that they like. Um, but I do think probably half of those people associate a certain flavor with a certain age. Mm -hmm. um, when I, I don't think that that's necessarily the case every time. You know, maybe they had like a eight year or a nine year bourbon that they really like and uh, they just get in their head like I need some age on my bourbon for me to enjoy it mm -hmm. um, without exploring other options. But well, like especially with blends, you know, we've in the last couple episodes, we've talked a lot about how blending is more respected now than it ever was. Um, and when you pick up a whiskey that doesn't have an age statement and uh it's you know like 2xo for a good example nobody knows the age that he's putting in there um, but people just kind of trust it and uh you, you got to think that there is some younger whiskey in there blended with some old aged whiskey because there is a lot of fruit and a lot of liveliness on that bottle um but the price point kind of tells you that it's layered in and especially with the oakiness that it carries um that there is there's some older stuff to kind of make it a little more complex and, you know, flavorful. And even with uh, brands that are more transparent, like Bardstown, where they actually give mm -hmm. you the blending proportions, like and the um, Discovery. Or sorry, that's, that's kind of what I was going to say, just to come in really quick. Um, like, I don't think you should put an age statement on a blend unless you are putting the entire mash and age just like how bardstown bourbon company does mm -hmm. 
yeah, like this is Fusion Series number seven, and fifty four percent is a three year whiskey, and then another ten percent is another three year whiskey. So you know, sixty four percent of this is three year whiskey. And I, I think What's the rest of the blend. Uh, oh, another six percent is a three year whiskey. So it's what seventy percent. And 20% 12-year, 10% 12-year. So 70% 3-year, um, uh, 30% 12-year. So good math there. Good, good yeah, save yeah, on the math. Great job, but yeah. that's very interesting. <laughs> kind of like 12 years, almost considered, uh, you know, extreme aging for bourbon. A lot of people say like 10 to, you know, 12 is the sweet spot. Um, and then 3-year would kind of be considered extremely young for a bourbon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I bet you that bottle tastes pretty good. Yeah. Well, and, and if and they the were funny to put, is, oops, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say if they were to put age three years right on the front, nobody would buy it. Right. Right. You know, even though it is technically a three year bourbon. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because those big distilleries that have some of that 10, 12, 15, 18 older age stuff. When you go to their distilleries, all of the things that they age for a long time are down in the bottom of their big warehouses where there's the least temperature change because they're not, they know they're going to leave it for a while, but they don't want it going in and out of that oak so quick, nonstop year after year after year, because they know it's going to destroy the flavor profile after a while. Mm -hmm. um, like just thinking of Sazerac, they always benchmark, they always say it's up on the top floor. Um, and they age that around four to six years, I believe, is the normal benchmark. But it was just a year or two ago that one of the benchmark full proofs had a big award winner at one of the big festivals. And it's like that's that, that's what Buffalo Trace considers our cheap stuff that they age as quick as they can up high. And it beats some of the stuff that's aged slowly down low. Yeah. Well, that's to Jake's point, you know, like uh, Old Forester and I think Woodford and several others all use climate controlled warehouses so that they don't over oak anything, you know, specifically because mm -hmm. um, they're not trying to get that like super oaky profile. They're trying to keep some of those younger fruitier kind of notes in the whiskey. Yeah. It's and one thing we talk about, or we talked talk to our master distiller about at work with was, Usually in the first three or four years, you get the majority of the notes that you want to get out of the barrel as a distiller. Um, more, you're going to get more complexity stuff. After four years, it's going to continue to age, but you're going to get farther and farther away from the initial spirit flavor in the whiskey. And it's going to start getting oakier and oakier and oakier. Um, and even like we, I know Jake, you and I have talked about it ourselves before. When you read the tasting notes for something like Pappy Van Winkle 23, it sounds difficult to taste. <laughs> yeah. it, it's it, uh, it's yeah. like at a certain point, it goes way too far, but it's as it gets older and older and older, you're going to get more of the mellowed out spirit, more of the barrel. And if you're just going for barrel notes, drink, find a whiskey that's not going to have, I'm trying to think of a good example here, but just... If you're just looking for oak, then go with double oak products. Like don't right. don't go for other things. It's, if that's the flavor profile you're looking for, stay there. Yeah. 
you're only making it harder on yourself if you're looking for a Pappy 23 just for the oak flavor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, one of the reasons why um, we kind of had, t- had brought this up, I think it was in the blending episode, um, mm-hmm. was that you said, you know, you had seen an uptick in people brushing things off because it wasn't old enough. Um, I think we talked about how um, doing the blind tastings has kind of opened up some people's eyes to the fact that you can find really good whiskeys without either without an age statement at all, or that are on the younger side. Um, so like, I, I don't know if you want to talk about that. Cause like your, uh, I mean, experience perf- with, with blind tastings is probably unparalleled. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 pretty ridiculous, and I was gonna say this is the perfect time for uh, Dan to get excited because we can plug Gold Eagle and Whiskey Acres at the same time. <laughs> in, the, in the last blind tasting, we had our single barrel from Whiskey Acres, which I'm pretty sure is barely a five year or like just under just over a five, five year, just over right five. Around, yeah. Yeah, um, right around five years. It took down Booker's, which minimum age is seven year, but you got to, they're, they're blending, blending like seven to 12 year, maybe older bourbon in there. Um, and it's one of the most sought after bottles. And then a young local whiskey took it down in our blind tasting. So I think that's like a prime example of why age doesn't really mean better, you know? Mm hmm. It's I like you got to find that sweet spot in a distillery of where you're still getting the spirit flavor you want out of it without getting too oaky. Now, um, like we'll have our first ever seven year go out this summer, um, which I think we'll hopefully get a preview of on the show. Um, and it tastes come a lot. It start to taste a lot different than our normal four year or five year bib. Um, <laughs> You're starting to get a, a majorly different profile. Uh, I, it's really good. Uh, I think you'll be really impressed with it. It's it's not. It's just as it's getting older, it's losing some of the complexity, but it's getting more of that vanilla, marshmallow, oak. Um, I think it's going to be a massive crowd pleaser because of that. But it gets a little bit farther away from the fruity notes of of some of the stuff that we put out day after day on the shelf. And it's it's funny because even our master distiller prefers the younger stuff and he the barrel picks he does for the for the visitor center are usually younger than a lot of the stuff we're putting out in our blends Um, but that's just his flavor profile that he likes yeah so i guess that that's a good place to transition into when do we think that age statements are relevant I think uh, I think there's a time and place, and I think it is also a good time to say like we're not necessarily saying that younger is better, um, mm-hmm. but there's a time and a place for an age statement. And the the biggest message I guess with this podcast is don't be afraid of something just because it doesn't have that eight, ten year, twelve year age statement. Um, because you know, it'd be very fun to compare that seven year whiskey acres bottle that's coming out to like a four or five year pick mm-hmm. just to kind of pick out the differences because yeah, you'll probably get less like fruity flavors, uh, maybe a little less sweetness, but you'll for sure get a lot more oak. 
um, maybe a little more, uh, you know, like deeper caramel flavors on that older bottle. Um, so I don't know. I think it's just kind of something to experiment with and another weapon to add to like the tasting arsenal, um, you know, trying different age statements out. But I think uh, it's just for sure something that you shouldn't use to judge a whiskey before tasting it. No. And going back to the blind tasting thing, um, even if you don't have like a blind tasting setup, when you're trying something new for the first time, I always encourage to taste it blind without knowing the age, the proof, um, you know, just to taste the whiskey for what it is and form your opinion that way. Yeah. So speaking of blind tastings, uh, the whiskey that I'm drinking tonight is from Union Horse Distilling. It's mm. their reunion straight rye whiskey. And uh, Jake poured this uh, when we had a blind tasting for my birthday. Um, and I had seen this bottle on the barrel in the bar, uh, which is it was a single barrel pick. Um, from uh was it from 2022 uh i think it was earlier it was like 2021 2021 or 2020 yeah uh -huh. um and like you know i had probably looked at it a dozen times <laughs> just going to the different master classes and tasting events um but probably never would have picked it up because it's a whiskey from kansas and that's not something that most people have ever heard of before um but I think uh, almost everybody voted for this bottle over uh, what it was paired against. Um, it, it, sold it was paired against like a smoke wagon barrel proof malted rye. Oh yeah. Um, Cause, no, cause this... I was the only one that picked the malted. Rye. Yeah. You picked the smoke wagon, <laughs> but they, they were pretty different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the smoke wagons. MVP. It's not uncommon so, for you to be on the wrong side of the pick. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. You're normally like, the, if there's three votes for something, Jake is one of the three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like I, I bought a bottle pick. of this because I liked it. I mean, it's uh, good. We just, we just, we just had a whiskey club uh, do a blind tasting with us a couple weeks ago, and they taste everything blind, and they give it a rating before they know what it is. And uh, we had E. H. Taylor single barrel in there, Fox Known Double Oak, a bunch of heavy hitters, and the the reunion rye was the best, uh, highest rated one. Yeah, I mean, it, it's an excellent whiskey. Um, I think it's just just about five years. Yeah, it's like right around five year. I think it's slightly under, um, yeah. but it's 125 proof, 100% rye, 60 bucks on the shelf. Yeah, it, it's, um, you know, and like I wouldn't wouldn't have ever picked it up unless I had it blind. Um, so, again, reiterating that message that like just try stuff because <laughs> you never know if it's going to be good unless you try it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. Um, we like one of our first episodes we ever did a long time ago was with very old Barton, mm -hmm. which the hundred proof. I was doing some research originally a long time ago had a six year statement on it, and then they put it down to a four year bib, and now it's about a three year. Um, and it's it's not. I mean, everyone started to do the run on very old Barton too. So it's not like it's something super easy to find, but I don't usually see the hundred proof anymore. I usually see the 90 a lot in stores when I see it. Oh, the hundred is the only thing worth. I see anymore. Is it? Yeah. 
it's what bottom shelf warrior 25 bucks three years it's very very much like banana bread um for me like it's are are you getting the oak flavor that some people think they need to have no but the banana bread is very wonderful and pleasing Mm -hmm. and this is this is one that i use as a daily drinker and I mean, it's it's a twenty five dollar bottle that tastes great, and people pass on it because it's not doesn't have an age statement on it. And they know it's young, but this is a perfect example of a nightly drinker that you don't need to care about an age statement for. Like, yeah, do we do we all have things that are pretty damn old? Yes. Are they higher up on a lot of our shelves? Yes. Uh, but at the same point, I drink this way more often. Than I drink those other ones. Like, this is something yeah. that I crack quite often. So that's my little pitch, but it's people. Some people just, like I said, block it off because it's not old whiskey, but it's a damn good whiskey for, especially for the price. And the other thing is too, is these older whiskeys, they get expensive quick because you lose so much year over year. They sit and take up floor space year over year. Um, So you're going to the more older whiskeys are more expensive. So to find a $25 whiskey that tastes great, regardless of age statement, it's, it's a, Something I like to go with. Yeah. What do you have tonight? Um, So I got a few different things. I've got a maker's private select. And uh, then I also have like a Bacta spirit specialty bottle. Um, The reason why I picked this. So it's, it's got some older stuff in there. There's 1994 and 1991 Armagnac in this bottle. Um, but over 70% is three year rye whiskey. Hmm. And, uh, so the part of this challenge to create this blend was you had to use three year rye and then pick other Armagnac vintages, uh, to blend in there. And they, they chose three year rye cause they said when they used older rye, it just kind of ruined the flavor. Um, it wasn't as vibrant. It was a little dead. Um, so they, the, just, I think it was a good example why there's a lot of young fruitier characteristics that help layer in an older spirit that might be lacking some of that life. Yeah. And that's actually a point that I, I found a lot and have heard like echoed a lot is that a lot of people prefer their rise younger in like the mm-hmm. two to three year range. Um, because as rise get older, a lot more of the spice comes out, um, which some people are like, uh, like Dan are not fans of. And they like those more like floral kind of um, notes that, that you get on like the younger rise. Yeah. So shout out to hard truth. Cause I mean, their rise two years and one of the best, most flavorful rise that I've tasted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good example why age doesn't really matter. I think that was my whiskey of the year last year, wasn't it? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't pay attention to half the shit you say, anyways. (laughs) And so my other my other bottle is Maker's Mark. Um, Most of us know that Maker's is like a four and a half year to seven year blend. And uh, I've heard a few people ask, like, why doesn't Maker's come out with like a ten year or a twelve year? Um, and I've heard my maker's rep answer this question and he was flat out just like, it's not good. Once it gets to that older age, it's just too oaky. 
um, loses all of its vibrant flavors and just turns in a way that we don't want our whiskey to taste. So there's there's yeah, with for a, sure a point in time with a weed every whiskey like where it just kind of falls off. Yeah, yeah, you know, like the wheat can't really stand up to that heavy oak flavor, you know, because like they're typically very soft whiskeys. It's like you do have mm. to be careful if you're going to age it. Dan's going mean, well to give me some dirty Yeah, but it's well so are... diluted. It's so what? diluted with water. It, it masks all those. Weller 12 <laughs> is not good, Dan. Oh, it's one of Jake's favorites. <laughs> <laughs> it's It holds up to aging. In the if, if you're diet. a scotch drinker, Weller 12 is good. <laughs> it's a good non-peated scotch. But I don't know about a good bourbon. <laughs> No, it's, yeah, I mean, even I was reading an article last week, Breaking Bourbon did their review of Jack 12, and it was rated like a lot of the normal stuff you see down at three and a half stars, and people were, I've, I've never, I haven't had Jack 10 yet, and Jack 12, like, got a, and what you would expect to be a pretty bad review. Yeah, I mean, you're, everyone's expecting it to be this, it's hard to find, it's 12 years old, it's got to be good, and it review from at least from breaking bourbon fell flat but it's you know i i i knob, agree with them on a lot Creek of things is another example yeah the, i think the 12 years better than the 15 and also better than the 18 i've never tried the 18 the 15 is good but i i keep a knob 12 at all times like it's pretty decent for the price for 65 bucks for a 12 year i think that's a pretty good whiskey but yeah it's but at the same point like how many Knob Creek nine-year barrel picks have you guys done that I would drink over my 12-year? Quite a few. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we well, we did our, our Knob Creek pick episode. Uh, I think we ended up picking the youngest one, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it all just comes down to the actual flavor profile. Um, yeah, like I, I actually, uh, when they... When Gold Eagle got the Jack 10 and Jack 12, yeah, I tried both of them side by side and uh, actually did not like the 12 at all. Uh, the 10 was really good. Um, yeah, I actually passed on a bottle of the 12 because I was like, I'm not going to drink that. <laughs> and it's it's always interesting to try and figure out why, like, now, or, uh, I'm sorry, Jack Daniels never did older age statement stuff for a long time, they've been doing it more recently mm-hmm. is some of that. I, I don't think Jack Daniels is doing this. I'm sure there's some smaller distilleries that might be doing things like this of you keep trying the whiskey every year in the barrel and you don't like it. So you're like, maybe we should just let it sit a little bit longer. Maybe we should just let it sit a little bit longer. And then maybe you get to the point where you're like, well, let's just throw a big age statement on it and push it out. People are going to buy it because it's old. Yeah. Honestly, uh, I think, I think it's more of uh they knew in the past that their older whiskey wasn't as good because every distillery of that size probably let stuff age and let stuff go just to see what it can become. And they probably taste it and like, yeah, this isn't really as good as our seven year blends that we've created. So we're just going to keep doing that. But then they kind of saw like, there's a premium market now for these super age statements um, and decide to take advantage of that. But yeah, I don't know. I would think it's almost like, you know, kind of the kind of the opposite and they're just doing it because they know there's a market for it yeah. and they can charge more. And I'm going back to, I mean, on the distiller side of things, sorry. Um, 
it's the longer you let stuff age, like I said, the farther <laughs> you get away from your spirit, which is what we work so hard to create. And eventually you get to the point where you lose your, all your good flavor that you work so hard to extract and not all you taste is barrel. And it's, I think a lot of distillers prefer stuff on the younger side because of that. It's mm-hmm. you're not. And that, I know and most distillers I mean, do. Yeah. And, and on top of that, it's, you know what you can do is the longer it sits in the barrel, the more oak notes it gets. So maybe if you have a bad whiskey, it'll get a little bit better. <laughs> if you leave it sit longer too, because it might not be, have been the best spirit. So you got to let it sit. Well, um, I'm sure there's people out there that, that do that because you can mask some more of the, some of the off flavors. If you have anything in there that you're not happy with. And I mean, it takes, it takes balls to be like Buffalo trace a couple of years ago and dump their stag senior because they didn't like it. Uh, well, who said they dumped it? That the report was that they just dumped it. Really? Yeah. They, On the drain. That's what I had read. <laughs> so I you mean, just we put it in we, ancient we, age bottles. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I thought I thought they just said they weren't releasing it, and maybe they I, just I let it they go got, a year longer to blend it in I, again. Maybe I read something wrong, but I thought it said they got rid of it and took it as a loss. I mean, huh. there's been stuff where we've made. And it didn't have quite the right smell. And I mean, we don't do massive batches like they do, but we're like, this isn't good enough to go into a barrel. <laughs> so we just take it as a loss. But yeah, I mean, to, to your point, like Whiskey Acres is actually a pretty good example because they've built this flavor profile mm-hmm. that's very corn forward on purpose uh, to accentuate, you know, the farm to, to bottle. Uh, distilling philosophy or, or whatever, you know, I'm not the marketing guy for them. <laughs> I, th- I think it's, a, I think it's a gimmick. Didn't we say it was they're, a gimmick? <laughs> they're focusing on the different corn strains. So I think it's cooler to have a younger whiskey so you can actually taste the difference in the flavor. Can, right. we, can we call them varieties and not strains? That's really bothering me. Varieties. <laughs> Thank you. All right. But you, Is know, that like, what you guys call them. That's what, that's not what we call them. That's what they're called. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Sorry to hurt your feelings, Dan. Corn <laughs> varietals. <laughs> my point was that, you know, if you let one of those distillates age for 10, 12 years and you completely lose that corn note, you're like it's uh, it's almost like you're, um, you know, tossing away what, like your your distilling philosophy or whatever, if you want to get yeah. all principles. I mean, it's what we're trying to do is obviously with being a farm and raising everything there, we want that, but we want that to be the right flavor. And like Jake in your post about the whiskey acres taking down bookers is that every year it tastes a little bit different. And that's because we've been experimenting for years and years and years of finding that balance of where do we have enough of that note where it's not overpowering and coming through, but you can still have a little more of that craft flavor to it. Um, so it, it continues to change, but it, it continues to get better. I mean, we still always want to make sure that the grain is showcased. Um, but as, as you see more and more of their barrel picks that are coming out, um, it's not as prevalent as what it was before. It's still there. Um, but again, like the seven year, you get a little bit of it right on the tongue. And then the rest of it is it's more of a just said, again, I think I'll have stuff in time. And if, if Rob can't make it on the show, then we'll just do it without, but I should be able to get you guys some samples. Um, and I think it's going to be pretty shocking to you guys what it's, what it's tasting like. 
Yeah, I'm looking yeah, forward to that, to uh, that high rye bloody to butcher too. Mm, the gold <laughs> eagle pick. <laughs> <laughs> no, I believe that was the uh, a, a whiskey club did that one. It was a small barrel, it was a 25 gallon. That was cool. that was gone before I started working there, boys. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't go back in time yet. We're working hard. <laughs> but, oh man. But no, I mean it's it's but that's what everyone's trying to do is trying to find that right. That's why a lot of these places are constantly do the same blends of a, of a round a four or five year or around a six year is that's where they know after that they start losing what they, the flavors they want to the barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of these companies that are doing three or four or five year whiskeys are just, this is where we want the flavor profile to be. And it's really dang good. But if you're just looking for an age statement on a bottle to be over a certain number, you're missing a big section of the shelf that tastes just as good, if not better than a lot of stuff that you think you need. Yeah. All right, but at the same other, time, uh... I have my Elijah 18 right here. Just, in I mean, <laughs> yeah, put that away. Cause that bottle was trash. That's like worse than Weller special reserve. <laughs> at least Weller's under a hundred bucks. <laughs> um, no, I was going to say shout out to like barrel craft too, is a good example. Cause they put out a lot of $80 blends that have five year right on the front of the label. Um, and people that know bourbon, know barrel craft puts out good products, but occasionally we get someone in the aisle. It's like, Oh, well, why am I going to pay 80 bucks for a five year? Um, but we all know that there's, you know, five, probably eight, 10, 12, maybe even some 15 year in that bottle. Um, so yeah, yeah I, think, uh, I think people don't realize that the age statement is legally only has to be the minimum age. Used it has to be the minimum. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you it, can't it say like, yeah, yeah. You have to s- clearly state the minimum age in the blend. Yep. Yeah, you can't put 1% of a 20 year in there and call it a 20 year. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not like rum rum. You can do that, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's because pirates can't do math. Or can't write rules. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they had rules, but I don't think any of them make sense. Like everything I know about pirates is from Johnny Depp, and that's not saying much. So, mm-hmm. But I do agree with that. I do think you should have to put the youngest in the blend. Um, but yeah, that, you know, again, doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad whiskey if it has a young age statement. Yeah. That's kind of the moral of the story, moral of the podcast. All right. Any uh, other words of wisdom? None of us are very wise, so that would taste (laughs) taste blind. Yeah, taste blind. Go taste blind or taste with an open mind. Like if someone tells you that, hey, this three-year-old bourbon. If if someone that you know drinks a lot of whiskey and they say, hey, this is a really good whiskey and it's three years old, you should get this. Maybe you should listen to some advice sometimes. Yeah. Or just taste it. Just taste it and form your opinion. You know, don't, don't just assume that you're not going to like it because it doesn't have a super age statement. Just try it. Don't be a tater. Try it with an open mind. Don't Mm -hmm. chase age statements. All right. Good. 
Speaking um, of age statements, Jake, how's Gold Eagle doing? Where can we find you? I had no transition. So we're just <laughs> grabbing at straws here. <laughs> GoldEagleWine.com, uh, Facebook and Instagram. Gold Eagle Wine on Instagram. Gold Eagle Spirits on Facebook. Um, see all of our current and latest and greatest releases. And you've got a few. Buy our, uh, buy our Whiskey nine, Acres pick. Yeah, there's a few non-bourbon yeah, want- uh, events coming up, right? We do, Those yeah. We've got a couple of agave events, a uh, single malt event coming up. Um, so, yeah. I mean, they're all – all the events that we have coming up are some of the best, and I'm very excited for them. Um, sometimes the off-bourbon events give the best presentation and uh, experience. So, if you want to expand your palate and uh, try something new, then check out our events section. Yeah, all the ones awesome. I've been to have – been fantastic and uh i had to be sold on a, on a couple of them but <laughs> <laughs> they were all but no regrets so. yeah no mm-hmm. regrets and jake for us socials podcast you can do all that stuff i'm not i'm done yeah uh <laughs> at bourbon matters on instagram uh and facebook um on youtube you search for bourbon matters uh, you can also watch us on Spotify or listen to us on any podcast platform. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, I'm going to go break open some older stuff now. <laughs> Did we stop the recording? No, not no. yet. <laughs> <laughs> It'll stay. How long have you been doing this? I think by now you'd be able to see when the stop button comes. I up. was kidding. It was a joke. <laughs> sure. On, sure. Jay. I hope you're joking. Sure. Um, but right, yeah, I guys. think uh, our schedule coming up is going to be pretty cool. So keep an eye out for the next few weeks because I think we have uh, some cool stuff planned. We're stepping it up. Yeah. All right, guys. Taking it to another level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cheers. All right, guys. Cheers. Cheers.